Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. I'm going to bring in Nicole Auerbach right away because she has many, many TV appearances to get ready for. Oh, stop it. Tons of TV. You, you are a star, Nicole. But I want to ask, is there a, there's a particular TV show I want to know if you watch. Do you watch The Good Place? Yes. Love The Good Place. Have you seen, okay. my, have you seen my Twitter background? Go to my That's banner. right. Everything right. is fine. Yes. So... In honor of The Good Place and in honor of college football on Tuesday, allow me to sum up Tuesday in college football. Holy forking shirt balls, Nicole. (laughs) Excellent reference. I mean, okay. So we wake up Tuesday morning with the full expectation that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to postpone their football seasons probably until the spring maybe until the next fall. And we get that. They're going to do it. They announce it. And the thought is, this will begin a domino effect that will ultimately result in all five Power Five leagues saying, we're not going to play this fall. And then everybody starts planning on a spring season. But that is not what happened. You got the Big Big Ten announcement. You got the Pac-12 announcement. We always expected the SEC would say, eh, we're good. And then eventually they would they would kind of follow suit. The ACC, we thought, might follow suit quickly. They did not. And then you get to Tuesday night with the Big 12, which suddenly becomes the biggest swing vote in the history of the sport. I thought, you, I thought you were going to say in the history of this country because, I mean, at this point, politics is sports, sports is politics. And it, no is, doubt. A, it is a swing vote. And... It's been, you know, I, I've had people in other leagues refer to them as a linchpin. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy how we can't even focus on the Big Ten and the Pac-12's decision before rushing to the next thing, which is going to determine if there's college football in the fall, Andy. Well, we don't know that there will be, but we know there's three leagues right now that are still going to try. Three power five leagues. There's there's three group of five leagues that also still want to try. We don't want to give them short shrift, but let's be honest, if the Power Five Leagues don't play, the other ones won't either. So right now, as it stands, the Big Ten has postponed probably until the spring. The Pac-12 has postponed definitely until at least January 1st. And as an added cherry on top of their decision, all sports postponed until at least January 1st, which means basketball, Mm -hmm. all the winter sports, none of those will start until January 1st. This this was kind of the the wrinkle that nobody saw coming. And I even missed it in the initial read. I didn't even think about that. It was like the Ivy League decision, which was basically the same thing. And we haven't really seen that. Everyone else has been very clear that they're only impacting fall sports and that they are going to evaluate winter sports at a later point. So that is huge because if you're talking about a power five league and no non-conference basketball, and we've talked on this podcast, we've turned it into a basketball podcast at times about how important the NCAA tournament is. So that's a big wrinkle. And eventually we're going to be talking about basketball and, and kind of the state of the NCAA and the rest of division one. That's going to be a huge piece of it. Huge decision. I also thought one other piece of the PAC 12 decision was they put out their medical document. They did flat out described why they're not playing. Well, and and that's the thing, you know, we talked about the myocarditis thing, which is for those who don't know, it's an inflammation of the heart, which can come 
as a side effect of a viral infection. And, and so they're not sure exactly how frequently people recovering from COVID-19 might have this. And it's something that all the leagues have been talking about. And like I went back and read the SEC's protocols that got released last week. It's in there. You know, they, they have a, a system where you you actually can't let anybody back if they've had a positive COVID-19 test until they pass the cardiac screen. So all the leagues have been talking about that. But the Pac-12, if you read that report, they were going to have some serious testing issues potentially. Mm -hmm. They were maybe going to have to be testing daily at several different schools. And you had a couple of questions. You had a question of cost. You had a question of availability of tests. And the bigger question, if that locale suddenly ran out of testing resources, it's a bad look if you're hogging them when your city needs them or, or your, your municipality needs them. Yes, it's, it's a bad look. It is the whole reason throughout all of this, we have tried to talk about how it matters, how your community is doing, how your state is doing, right? Because when the outbreaks worsened in a lot of college football hotbeds in July, late June into July, part of the reason it caused so much concern was what you're describing. You don't want a, a perception of cutting the, cutting the line, and, right. and taking tests away from regular people who need them. But also, it makes it harder to get tests if you're in an area that's that the healthcare system is under stress. Harder to get tests and to get turnaround times in a reasonable time frame. And that has been a huge key to this whole thing all along, right? This idea that you could take a test, get an accurate response in a reasonable time so that if you interacted with other athletes you could feel good that you weren't spreading the virus to them. And basically the Pac-12 says, no, we didn't get to that point. And the Pac-12 and the Big Ten both had the same general messages. There's too many unanswered questions. Didn't feel like we'd be comfortable going forward. But they went at it in different ways. I thought the Pac-12's announcement, their messaging was much more organized. They had clearly thought everything out. They had Larry Scott, the commissioner, talk they had one of their doctors talk. They had Ray Anderson, the, the athletic director at Arizona State, talk. They had Michael Schill, the president of the University of Oregon, talk. And, and let's let's listen to to what Michael Schill said. And this is this is very different than what you heard from the Big Ten, but this kind of epitomized what the Pac-12 sounded like on Tuesday. Everybody was very enthusiastic about agreeing with each other and, and very committed to agreeing with each other about this. We, we're proud to be in the Pac-12, right? We think this is the greatest conference and uh, we're, we're going to stick together uh, in this decision. And, and the decision was unanimous. And, and that's not unanimous, meaning that people were against it and then just joined in because they wanted to be good soldiers. It was unanimous because we all recognized this was the morally correct thing to do. And we did it. So that's Michael Schill, Nicole. And that is what the Pac-12 sounded like on Tuesday. Far cry from what the Big Ten sounded like on Tuesday when they make the announcement. Nebraska almost immediately comes out with a very defiant statement saying, we're very disappointed. We still want to explore all our options. Now, I don't think Nebraska is going to go play anywhere. 
you know, Greg Sankey from the SEC was on the Dan Patrick show and he got asked about, you know, would you take another team? And he's like, contractually, no, we would not take another team for, for a year. But they're throwing that red meat out to their fans. Gene Smith from Ohio State, the athletic director, basically saying, hey, don't blame us either. We didn't want this. We wanted to postpone until later in the fall. Uh, it, it was very disorganized in the Big Ten. It's almost not even disorganized. It's just it's so clear that there was fracture. And I, I think, you know, we didn't see this was something I spoke with, uh, you know, a, a, a source in the Pac-12 on Monday night. You didn't see Pac-12 coaches tweeting, threatening to leave their league, um, trying to speak out, trying to bully their commissioner a little bit, right? You only saw that in the Big Ten, which has a brand new commissioner who, by the way, probably took the job at the worst possible time in the history oh of college Oh my sports. gosh. Jim Delaney, the longtime commissioner of the Big Ten, got out while the getting was good. He didn't know that at the time. No, he, his last day was the Rose Bowl. Remember the Rose Bowl? Normal sporting wait, event? Wait, when, when they played football games When they in the played Big Ten? football, crowds were there. There were people. Wow. Um, yeah, and Kevin he, Warren steps into just a hornet's nest. Yeah, his his first big decision is to cancel the Big Ten basketball tournament. Then, it's, then the NCAA tournament's canceled. And then he has to make this call. So, you know, it's definitely a different dynamic than, you know, someone like Jim Delaney, who, you know, was such a force in not just the Big Ten in meetings, but all of college sports, right? So the fact that you have these coaches calling out their leaders, by the way, because if they're calling out basically the presidents and chancellors, that's their boss's boss. Okay. So like there's going to be some awkward meetings just in general at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, now, let, let's, let's listen to, to Kevin Warren. And before we do Dave Revson from the big 10 network, I want to, I want to give a special shout out to him because when someone works for a conference network, you assume that they're going to go soft on, on the conference and they're not going to ask the hard questions. Dave Revson in this interview with Kevin Warren asked every relevant question. It was a masterclass in interviewing that probably wasn't helpful to Dave as a, as a Big Ten Network employee, but was really beneficial to those of us who wanted to hear the answers to those questions. Now, didn't always get them. Let's let's hear Kevin Warren answering a question very similar to the one we heard Michael Schill answer. I want to understand the process of the decision making a little better. I'm assuming there's a vote. Was the vote unanimous? Uh they from you know from the both them. I can tell you one thing about it is that our schools we don't always agree. I mean, I can only talk about since I've been here. We don't always agree, but I think people uh, understand, and I take that from a passionate standpoint that uh, you know we will be together in the Big Ten, and uh, so I just think it's important to, to 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 make that very clear. And I would rather not you know have a detailed discussion about you know. Um, you know, your question about is a vote unanimous or not unanimous. But, um, you know, this is a, a decision that was made on a collective basis. And uh, and I'm, I just want to just express to you that uh, we will continually do everything we possibly can at every level in the Big Ten to make sure that our student athletes are, are, are respected, you know, encouraged. And I know this, you know, may, many people may not agree with the decision that we've made today. And I understand that. I understand the passion associated with it, but we have a responsibility as a conference to make sure that we're doing everything that we possibly can to keep our student athletes in, in, in an environment where one, they can get a world-class education, earn a world-class degree, but then also compete athletically uh, in a safe and healthy environment. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a question. Wow. 
Yeah, so uh, let's read through the lines. It was not unanimous. No, it was definitely not unanimous. And we knew that. I mean, and, Nebraska and we, had already put out their statement at yeah, that point. Yeah, and, and we've also, you know, in the hours after we found out, you know, Iowa was trying to delay the season as well. The You know, Ohio State would prefer... Um, you know, I was on a Zoom with Purdue's athletic director, Mike Babinski. He personally would have liked to give it a couple extra weeks. He wasn't one of the voters, but, it, you know, clearly it didn't need to be unanimous and it wasn't. And I think that's one of the more interesting storylines now moving forward is repairing that fractured relationship within the league. And I think it will happen. Obviously, this is a league that has traditionally been very aligned, very much acting together, very much towing the party line. And, and you sense that from people like Barry Alvarez and even even Gene Smith, who, who admitted that he would have not made that decision if it were up to him, right? They were saying, we believe that this is what's best for the league. We respect the, the decision. It was very hard. And we're going to move forward. And, you know, again, Nebraska's doesn't seem to be quite there. They'll get there eventually. Well, they're, they're not going to be able State's, to play in the Big 12. Right. Ohio State's was more kind of resigned acceptance. It's, listen, this is our league. We've been in this league for a million years. We're not going anywhere. We're going to make this work. We just think this sucks right now. Nebraska's was... We didn't get our way. We're really mad. We're going to tell you all about it. But at the end of the day, we're probably not actually going to do anything. It's sort of like the, the scene in Liar Liar when Jim Carrey gets the ticket and he goes, you know what I'm going to do about this? Nothing. Yes. It Again, and Andy, we've kind of been wondering for like two days, right? If, if it's legal to do what Nebraska is threatening to do. I don't think so. I mean, it's legal, but it would be extremely expensive for them. And I don't think they would do it because so it's unclear exactly how the Big Ten's grant of rights works. I, I talked to somebody who is very familiar with how those are structured. And they told me that they're not sure the Big Ten has kind of the classic grant of rights like some of the other leagues do, but that all the schools are signatories on the Big Ten network deal, which essentially is the yep, same thing. There, there you go. There you go. So. It was a threat. I, yeah. We get it. Not a great threat. No, it was not a great threat. And it's not going to help them. And it may make their fans feel a little better for the day. I, listen, we've seen enough from the Big 12 that I wouldn't have been totally shocked if Bob Bowlesby had done a Zoom call with reporters on Tuesday night. And then halfway through, Nebraska's fight song starts playing. And all of a sudden, you see an image of Scott Frost on screen going, we're back, baby. But... It's not going to happen. I mean, it's no. not realistic because the whole 40-year, you know, four-year, 4,400-year decision that Nebraska talked about making back in, in 2010 when they moved to the Big Ten, it hasn't changed. They're still much better off financially in the Big Ten mm -hmm. than they would have been in the Big 12. By the way, this gets to kind of the same sentiment where everyone thinks that all of these rosters are going to get raided by the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and, you know, and every program that's canceled, all the MAC best players are going to get raided, right? They're all going to go in the portal and go to places that are still scheduled to play. You know, there's no guarantee that, that those leagues are going to end up playing. So it's kind of like Nebraska wanted to go in the transfer portal to a different conference and then could easily have gotten that shut down. Like, it's just, it, it didn't even yeah. make any sense. Like, to, to risk all of that money, risk the, risk the relationships with Everyone else in your league, I mean, it's just, it's it, it, like you said, it's like a short-term win for your fans who are 
you know, are really upset and want to play. But long term, like it's an issue. Monday was a very messy day for the league overall. I don't really think that there were that many people that came out looking good. And I don't think Scott Frost was one of them. It, it was it was like a temper tantrum. You guys know I like barbecue. Okay, love barbecue. Would eat it for every meal. But we all got jobs. We got kids. Even when we're all homebound, we don't have 16 hours to smoke a pork butt. We don't have a bunch of hours to, to cook ribs and remove all the silver skin from the back and then get them ready to go. And it's just not that easy. Sometimes you want barbecue and you want it quick and you want it now. And that's when I reach for chicken ribs. What is a chicken rib, you ask? It is chicken that tastes like ribs. It's a specially cut chicken thigh. You eat it off the bone, just like you would a rib, but you get these great hunks of meat and it's a little healthier than the average spare rib. 75% less fat to be exact, less calories, very good for you, but tastes great. They come frozen, you thaw them out, you put them in your air fryer for five minutes, or you put them on the grill, maybe you kiss them a little bit with barbecue sauce, get that candy glaze going. It is delicious. I have an 11-year-old. He does not like anything. He loves chicken ribs. He asks me for them all the time. Go to chickenribs.com and use the code Andy today to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. It's real smoked meat. comes right to your door. You throw it in the freezer. You throw it in the fridge to thaw out. And then once it's thawed, you are ready to roll. Go to chickenribs.com. Use the code Andy for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Well, the Scott Frost thing, he was the one who had to say it. But you know as well as I do, Nicole, that the co- the football coach isn't allowed to say that unless the president signed off on that. Yeah, the but threat again, he made on Monday came from above. Yes, absolutely. But I still don't think it looks good. No, it, it doesn't. It's and it's weird seeing that in the Big Ten. Yes. We're used to that sort of infighting in the Pac-12, in the Big 12. We don't see it as often in the Big Ten or the SEC, and usually not in the ACC, where they seem to get along pretty well too. It so. From the Big Ten, which under Jim Delaney was always buttoned up, mm-hmm. always on message. It's so weird to see this. It, it is. And again, a lot of these things, like literally everything that happened on Monday with the coaches, but mostly Scott Frost, you only are going to try to do that when you have a brand new commissioner and you think you can do it. You think you can get away with it. And again, I mean, it's a once in 100 years situation here, right? This pandemic. 102, but, actually, yeah. Okay, 102. But, like, there are definitely things that, you know, everyone's been riled up, everyone's been anxious, everyone's been stuck at home for months, and you have a brand new commissioner, and things happen that, like you said, would never have happened in a different situation. And so, it was very interesting to see that in contrast with the Pac-12, which was definitely way more buttoned up, and, you know, it... it, it which, for that league, is shocking as well, yeah, yeah, in its own was, way. Yeah, that was that was different from them. And and I think, you know, that's a credit to how they've handled the pandemic as a conference as well. But I will say it's not surprising, despite how both leagues got to this point, in conversations with administrators and ADs and the com- and the commissioners over the last month and a half, it was so clear that those two leagues were much further along mentally to make a decision to call it for the fall than the other three. So like it was shocking and jarring that it actually has finally happened, but it was going to be these two leagues all along. Yes, and this is the part where I remind everybody that all politics are local. So the pressure that is on the Big Ten presidents, for the most part, not Iowa and Nebraska, and probably not Ohio State, but everybody else, 
the pressure that is on all of the Pac-12 presidents is very different and probably the mirror opposite of the pressure that is on the SEC presidents and the Big 12 presidents and most of the ACC presidents in their places where they live, where remember, the governor picks the board of regents, the legislators decide how much money you get if you're a public school. You got to worry about keeping those people happy. Well, in the SEC and in the Big 12 and in most of the ACC, those people want you to play. And so now you have those leagues still sitting here moving toward playing sometime in September. We'll see exactly when. I mean, the the Big 12 may actually release a schedule as we're recording this, Nicole. Yeah, maybe, or it'll be at two in the morning, or it'll be first thing in the morning. Like, we're, we're recording this Tuesday night. First of all, we, we should probably even put a timestamp on it because everything in college sports changes within like It, it is 10, hour. 18 p.m. Eastern time okay. as we record this. I, I realize podcasts are supposed to be unstuck in time. Not this time because by the time you hear this in the morning, they may have all just moved to the XFL for all we know. They're going to plan the moon. Like something, something crazy is going to happen. But yes, by the time that we are recording this podcast, we can safely say that the other three power five leagues have, you know, expressed their intention to move forward and they have their revised schedules. Even if we don't know the big 12 one yet, they have it. And they have their medical guides. They're trusting their doctors. Their doctors are not as concerned as the big tens and the pac 12s in certain cases, certain areas. Again, we talked about the pac 12. Some of the, the, the requirements that their medical advisory group were asking them to meet were about the communities and the states that they were in. So that was a very specific thing. We didn't get as much detail out of the Big Ten. Hopefully, you know, there there is that transparency at some point. But I, I think this has been, to your point, so dependent on where you live, like even just the pandemic has, right? And how seriously you've taken it. Um, you know, how much you were wiping down your groceries or when did you start wearing masks, right? It's It so depends on where you've lived during this and what you're getting from your local leadership. And it's the same thing in college sports. It It's so different depending on what league you're in, what state you're in. Like you said, who your politicians are and which side that they want to be on of do they want to do everything possible to let you play or are they going to be overly cautious and you're not really going to be able to even get workouts in, which was an issue for USC and UCLA. UCLA just got in the building yesterday. Right. So it's totally different. And that's one thing that when people think about college football as a whole, we sometimes lose that. But it is very different. Just like I'm having a different experience in the pandemic in Chicago than you are in Florida, right? It's just it, it that's just a reality of how this is all unfolded. It's different in different places. Yeah, it, it is and and what it could create. And again, we don't know. I, I'd say my expectation for there to be a fall season went from about 0% when I woke up Tuesday morning to maybe 20 to 25% right now. I still think, and, and look, if you've listened to Greg Sankey from the SEC, and I, I do think the SEC is kind of driving the train here. If you've listened to Greg Sankey since April, he has been very clear that they will wait as long as they can wait, but he has never said there's definitely going to be a season. He's always left and out. So they may wind up making the same decision. But, Nicole, let's say 
the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC play, and the Big 10 and the Pac-12 don't, what happens then? Well, first question, we'll have to figure out when and how a postseason works. I don't think you have one. I don't, I, I, you, you probably don't. So does that mean that people are we back in the era of getting to announce yourself as a national champion? Danny White from UCF on line one. Hey. Uh, they've already crowned themselves the 2020 yeah, national champions. They're they're still playing too. They're yep, around. The American, the American Conference USA minus Old Dominion and the Sun Belt still planning to play. I actually talked to somebody in the Sun Belt tonight that basically they're going to do what the SEC does because they're in the same states and they feel like. If the SEC can play, they can play. So that is that is the dynamic you're dealing with. And I don't... Now, Steve Spurrier called uh, Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun on Tuesday and said, and I'm going to give you a really bad Steve Spurrier impression here. Well, just made a champion of the SEC versus ACC because one of them was going to win a national championship anyway. Okay, first of all, not bad. I enjoyed that. It's been a long day. I enjoyed it's that. A, it's a requirement of living where I live to have a Steve Spurrier impression. Okay. It doesn't have to be a good one. You just have to have one. Okay, fair. And, you know, we, we miss him. We, we miss his quotes. And here, here, here's my thing, Andy. And, and walk me through there, okay? The reason we were talking earlier about why it's so important that the Big 12 kind of expressed its interest in moving forward in the season is three out of five doing something sounds a whole lot better than two out of five, right? We're, we're over the 50% threshold. And and I think three out of five gets you either five or six out of ten. If we're, if we're talking about the group of five teams right, as we're well, at, we're at six. Yeah, I, and I think we may, you know, we may still drop to five depending on how things go. But if you get that, then I think you can have a fall season. Now, to your point, you mentioned something about people thinking everybody's going to raid the Big Ten rosters. I don't think that's going to happen because nobody's going to change the rules about 25 initial counter. You may, the rule is you can only bring in 25 new players a year. Almost everybody's full up. Also, you got to be able to get people admitted into school. So unless you're on the quarter system or you have some really lax admission standards, you're probably not going to be able to slip a new player into the system right now. I talked talk to somebody from, uh, from an American school on Tuesday night and said, can, you know, could you guys get somebody from the big 10 or the PAC 12 if, if you found yourself playing? And they said, no, probably not because they were past their deadline for fall admits. They, they couldn't get a student admitted right now. So to me, like I think about what we were talking about earlier about like, let's say Nebraska decides to blow up the whole thing and go to a different conference. That conference may not play. It's kind of the same thing with players. Like I was talking to Old Dominion's athletic director after they decided to shut down. They they made the decision before the rest of their conference did. So CUSA has 13 members out of 14 right now. But Old Dominion, you know, we talked about that. I was like, okay, you know, negative recruiting perhaps that, you know, you guys shut down your football program, don't care about enough about football. And also aren't your best players going to get poached? And his point was you know, we're not going to be the last team to do this. So, you know, you might want to sit on that for a couple of weeks and see how this all shakes out, because otherwise you're going to end up on a campus that you don't know anyone that you didn't pick in the first place and you're still not going to be playing. And it's a valid point. I mean, I, I again, I understand, you know, Justin Fields and various people. I'm sure, you know, their phones are blowing up. But if you wait a couple of weeks and see how this all shakes out, might have a better idea of like if they're actually going to play or not. 
Or I'm just he, gonna throw throw this out there though. What if Justin Fields ends up back at Georgia? Well, stranger things have happened. I mean, I'd be I'd be a little ticked if I'm Jamie Newman or, or JT Daniels at that point. But like, if Justin Fields shows up, they're gonna put him on the field. Sorry. Hey, you know what? Uh, they both transferred. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, but but that is that is the craziness that is to come. I mean, I don't think it's I don't necessarily think that is going to happen. But if it gets into September and they're still moving forward and it becomes possible that they really can play games, there will be a lot of questions and it won't just be how do you determine a national champion? It will be how do you change the way the sport is governed so this doesn't happen again? Well, we're already there, aren't we? I mean, the, as soon as it became clear that every conference was, as they always have been, only focused on their own best interests, and that this wasn't going to be some united Power Five schedule, it wasn't going to be some united Power Five decision. I mean, Bob Bowlesby has told me for a number of weeks now, he doesn't understand why people assumed that that was going to be the case, that that 65 schools were suddenly like now a mega conference just because the commissioners talked and he's right because, yes, there's like a kumbaya element and they told us how well they were all getting along, but it was unrealistic that that was going to happen, especially after the Big Ten decided to go conference only and everyone else was kind of caught by surprise. So at that point, like... Uh, again, Jim Delaney doesn't let that happen. He and Greg Sankey, whether whatever their differences are, get together and get that figured out, just like Jim Delaney and Mike Slive got together and essentially hammered out the playoff. Right. So again, you have a number of things that have happened that get to this point, but I still think in a, you know, even with Jim Delaney, anybody else, you're still going to ultimately get to the point where the five power five leagues are still going to operate independently. Like they're st- they might get to similar points as, as these leagues kind of did about when they were going to start the season, if they're going to push back similar medical protocols, but there isn't, there wasn't something tethering them to each other except this expectation that they should work together. And there is no central government, and there really isn't one at all for FBS football. The NCAA, as we have learned over and over and over again since April, really has no control over FBS football. They can certify bowl games, they can basically say when the season can start, but again, that's something the schools themselves vote on. So there is no power that unifies these people. Now, I would say that you should be unified by the pursuit of hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars and the fact that you could potentially blow that because you can't get along. Yeah. But yeah. there's a lot. And I, I also, I mean, back when I was at SI, I wrote a column when the Northwestern players tried to unionize and I said, guys, let them do this because there will come a point when you're going to regret not being able to bargain with them. This is that point. If they could have bargained with them, this would be a very different conversation that they'd been having the last five months. And, you know, I I think the other part of it, Nicole, that that fascinates me, and you and I have talked about this before, they are just now starting to talk about how a spring season might work. Like, why were they not talking about that in April, even as they were planning on hopefully playing in the fall? you know why? Because they did not want to put that out there. They didn't want this to be 
a, a possibility. And Don't you be, put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Basically, yes. I mean, they did not want, coaches didn't want that out there because they were worried that their, their, their draft eligible guys would immediately bail on the season because as soon as they thought it was going to be a spring season, why would they play? Well, guess what? Some of them already bailed, like already was going to happen with the fall season, no matter what it looked like. But I, you know, it's, it's, it is bizarre. You know, we still are wondering and hopefully we'll get some clarity later on Wednesday about this, but what about the eligibility? Did everyone get an extra year of eligibility, extend the clock back because a bunch of guys, a bunch of players aren't going to be playing this year. Like what is, what happens with that? You know, that was a spring sport decision that came weeks after their championships were canceled. That should have been, could have been already decided. That could have been something you say, you do, you determine over the summer, okay, if there's no fall championships, X, Y, and Z immediately take effect. Instead, now we're here, you've got, you know, Division 2 is canceled, Division 3 is canceled, FCS canceled, you've got two Power 5 leagues done, two Group of 5 leagues done, and they're wondering about eligibility. They're wondering what is a fall practice schedule look like? Is it going to be like spring ball normally? What is that? What are the rules? And they don't have the rules yet. Because there is no adult in the room to make them talk it out. And before they could like with Slive and Delaney, they could kind of get that figured out because those two guys understood you got to build some kind of consensus. Even if you don't agree with one another, you got to make compromises. You got to figure something out. This new breed doesn't seem to think you got to make any compromises and doesn't seem to think you you need to figure something out for the good of the whole. They're just in it for themselves and it's fine except now you've got a situation where two leagues or three leagues could come out of this looking just awful because okay, let's say the three leagues do play and they get started. And two weeks in, it's just a disaster. Everybody's got COVID-19. They have to shut it down. They would look terrible. But the flip side of that is, what if they play complete seasons and it's really not that bad? If you're the Big Ten and the Pac-12, you look horrendous. And honestly, if I'm a coach in the SEC or the ACC and the, or the Big 12, every time I go in a recruit's house and I find out, like if I'm LSU and I find out Ohio State's recruiting you, I'm like, they don't care about football. Why would you go there? They've made it very clear that they don't care about football. So come here. Yep. I, I mean, I think you're right. And that's why I think when you think about the Big 12 and the ACC being there with the SEC right now and having three out of five, that's why everyone's clinging to that. Because strength in numbers and if this works, you have that plus you have partners in this. And I, I think... You know, again, we're talking about, you know, a split season, you know, are, are the, you know, are three of them going to play in the fall and the other two actually going to be able to play in the spring? Like, who I, knows? I, I worry if the three play in the fall and, and we, we say three, we mean, we mean six. If, if they, if they pull it off, those three group of five leagues probably play too. I'm not sure those other leagues will play in the spring. Well, I just at don't that, know. At that point, They're going to run into some some roadblocks at that point. Yeah, they they absolutely will. And there's already roadblocks to to playing in the spring, which people are going to figure out, you know, in the coming weeks and months if it's viable or not. But you know, the idea of two two seasons in one calendar year, and you know, what how many games would you play? You know, what what do you do from a health and safety standpoint? How does it impact the fall 2021? 
All of those things would be a lot more difficult if not everyone is doing them together. But here's the thing, Andy. We, we've talked hypothetically about like a, a commissioner for college football, right? Who's going to give that power to that person? The, the, that's the thing. I was racking my brain on this today. I cannot figure out a single person who everybody would actually listen to. No, but, but, but I don't but think that person exists. But that's not even that's not even what I'm asking. Why would any of the Power Five commissioners, who clearly have a lot of power, are looking out in their own best interest, just bullied the NCAA to push back decisions on fall championships? You know, they were effective in that. Who's who of them is going to give up any inch of power? They do it for money, just like everybody else. You know, I, I don't think, I don't believe you were a WWF fan growing up, Nicole, but there was a, a wrestler named the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and his motto was, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. So they would do it to make more money. And now the only way that works is if they somehow manage to all come together as the Power Five. And I have always been one of those people who said, there's no way the Power Five breaks off from the NCAA. It, it would just be stupid. Nobody wants to start another track meet or another softball tournament. And if they did, they would just recreate the NCAA so everybody would be completely disappointed. Now I'm not so sure. Now I'm wondering, okay, could you break away? Could you have a different relationship with the athlete than you had before? Could you sell your television rights as a unit, which, by the way, is why the NFL makes so much more money on its TV rights, why one Monday night football game is worth more than the Rose Bowl. So that's something they might want to think about because not only have they looked terrible in these last few months, they have cost their schools millions of dollars because of their inability to get along. I mean, that's... That's the part that I can't get past. Usually smart people can figure out how to keep millions of dollars coming in if somebody's going to give it to you. These guys just couldn't. And, you know, they'll tell you, well, we haven't made a single decision about money yet. This is true. And while I, I criticize them pretty often, you look at the decision to, to cancel the NCAA tournament right off the bat. That was not a money decision. That was a safety decision that they made. And a lot of the decisions they've made have been about safety. But the thing is, they could have kept an eye on safety and found a way to make sure they still made money. These guys might blow millions of dollars. Andy. Hundreds of millions. Andy, I feel like we always get to this point in our podcast, but. Where it's always about money? No, where we could just let people let us do it. No. Nah. Like, uh, like we this could, is one thing I've learned during this pandemic, Nicole. I don't want to be the one making these decisions. Like, poor Kevin Warren. I know. I know. Poor Bob Bowlesby. Uh, and, and I do look, not. I do not either. They make a lot of money, but golly, these are tough decisions. I I would not want to make these decisions either. But I'm saying, if people want to give us millions of dollars and trust that we won't mess it up, I do feel confident in that. Uh, as a I total, feel confident that I would that I would mess it up, and then they would pay me to not work, which. Let's be honest, that is my dream. See, I mean, I'm just saying, there's tangential pieces to this that I always feel like we could cash in on. We got it. We just got to like start getting the wheels in motion. Like, yeah, but I, I feel like somebody would have hired us by now. I feel like our search firm is not going to have a lot of work to do this year because. No, there will be no coaching carousel. No, maybe Colorado State, but that might be it. 
Well, they need an AD probably too if that happens. So okay, so maybe we can maybe we could be involved in a couple of searches. Could we, we be the co ads at Colorado State? Ooh. I mean, it's like craft beer heaven up there. That, Fort Collins is wonderful. It's a beautiful place. The new facilities, new stadium, great. Oh, brand new stadium. I think that is not a bad idea. Maybe that is our next endeavor. All right. We'll split a six-pack of fat tire and figure yes. it out. Deal. Also, can we drink? It's been a long day. Yeah, I can't. Uh, intermittent fasting, my window has closed. Uh, but alcohol will be consumed sometime between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Promise you that. Good. Thank you, Nicole. Anytime, Andy. Andy.